Welcome to Rust Belt Abolition Radio. My name is A. Maria. In this episode, we discuss how some of us are preparing for the upcoming 2018 prisoner strike, slated to take place between August 21st and September 9th. We speak with Adam and Peter, members of the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee of the IWW Oakland chapter, about the lead up to the strike and how you can get involved. This year's actions come in the wake of the extraordinary 2016 prison strike the largest and most widespread prisoner strike in U.S. history. It is estimated that about 50,000 imprisoned workers in more than two dozen different states refuse to do the work that keeps prisons running. In August 2017, the Millions for Prisoners March led prison officials in Florida and South Carolina to preemptively lock down their entire prison systems, impacting over 121,000 imprisoned people. Rust Belt Abolition Radio covered these historic events in our September 2016 episode, Reports from the Prisoner Resistance Movement, as well as in our Making Contact audio documentary, Spectres of Attica, Reflections from Inside a Michigan Prison Strike. The Prisoner Resistance Movement takes another step this August 21st, 2018, as prison rebels in more than 17 states will refuse to labor and maintain the institutions that perpetuate their captivity. August 21st is going to be lit. Before we begin, here's Case Syed with some news you may have missed. On July 24th, inmates at the Bristol County House of Corrections in North Dartmouth, Massachusetts, launched a hunger strike in solidarity with ICE detainees. ICE detainees in Bristol County had launched a hunger strike the previous week to protest the lack of medical care, inedible food, and other abuses. Over 100 inmates in Bristol County House of Corrections have participated in the hunger strike. On July 26th, the Idaho Department of Corrections claimed that 364 Idaho inmates hacked JPay software and accumulated over a quarter million dollars in credits. JPay has been criticized for years for overcharging inmates for basic services, like staying in touch with their families. Inmates' families have told the Associated Press that the incident was a glitch and not intentional. As of July 13th, at least 11 lawsuits have been filed against the Edna Mahan Correctional Facility in Hunterdon County, New Jersey, for sexual abuse against women inmates. Two of those lawsuits are class action lawsuits highlighting systemic abuses by corrections workers. According to one inmate's account from the court documents, there had been a, quote, widely acknowledged understanding by both inmates and corrections officers that corrections officers had sexual contact and sexual relationships with inmates under the custody and control, end quote. The Edna Mahan Correctional Facility has had a long history of abuse cases dating back to the 1990s. I'm A. Maria, here with Alejo, and you're listening to Rust Belt Abolition Radio, an abolitionist media and movement-building project based in Detroit, Michigan. We're here in Oakland, California, and we'll be speaking with Adam and Peter, members of the Incarcerated Workers Organizing Committee of the IWW Oakland Chapter. Welcome, Adam and Peter, and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on your show. We really appreciate your work. Thank you. So we're here on the eve of the nationwide 2018 prisoner strike. And unlike the 2016 prisoner strike, this year, actions are set to take place between August 21st and September 9th. These dates have historical significance. On August 21st, 1971, the black radical intellectual and Black Panther, George Jackson, was murdered in San Quentin prison. Weeks later, on September 9th, the Attica Prison Rebellion broke out. Can you talk about the actions planned across the states in 2018? Yeah. 
Uh, actions set to go off inside are going to occur in over a dozen states. Hopefully by the time this airs, maybe over two dozen. They'll include work stoppages. Folks inside will refuse movements and hold sit-ins and peaceful yard demonstrations like we saw in Ken Ross two years ago. Boycotts of commissary like we saw in Florida earlier this year and hunger strikes like we've seen in, in several states over the last decade. So work stoppages, sit-ins, boycotts, and hunger strikes are some of the actions planned by folks on the inside. For supporters on the outside, the focus is to make sure that the retaliation that rains down on those inside is attenuated. So what is the strategy for people on the outside? What kind of solidarity work can we do as outside supporters? There's Well, there's multiple ways to kind of be in the loop and to really participate in assisting and providing support. To folks inside, there's there are call-ins as they will occur when boycotts and strikes happen. But there's also there's also opportunities to spread awareness and to do outreach, and to kind of garner support throughout you know, throughout the strike process. So a large part of that will kind of be building co- coalitions with folks of as many tendencies as interested and possible, and also to kind of build a network you know of phone trees so that when repression does happen, that people are ready to kind of correspond in. Yeah, yeah, locally we've been organizing, you know, uh, an expansive phone tree and we're we're trying to get as many organizations, groups and individuals as possible to say yes, I will call and pressure wardens, corrections authorities to end repression when it happens. And we've seen success with this uh, both in California and at the national level over the last few years. Phone Zaps created heat relief here in Corcoran last summer when folks were facing triple-digit conditions and being held in their cells without uh, air conditioning or any resources to cool down and people were being hospitalized. Uh, we had a phone zap that was organized primarily by folks inside and their families with our support that created relief for those people. We saw it work in Florida earlier this year to get Rashid Johnson out of solitary confinement uh, where he was being held in freezing conditions and uh, his repression had to do with the article that he wrote about Operation Push. We see phone zaps work and you know when we started doing it I kind of want to emphasize that it, it isn't a sort of call your congressman kind of tactic where we ask very politely for corrections authorities to do the right thing. Uh, what, what this tactic is about is about shutting down phone lines and creating that kind of pressure on the institutions themselves and its infrastructure to sort of force them to, to do the right thing. Can you tell us about the origins of this call as well as the lessons learned between 2016 and 2018? And some of the changes in tactics, the ones we can openly talk about, obviously. Well, one, one, one tactic I will kind of emphasize and one kind of one lesson you then you can kind of garner from both within the context of strike organizing and abolitionist organizing in general is that it, it can be a slow process, but it requires reflexiveness. The reason being is because often when you're corresponding with folks inside, you'll find that just getting mail even into a correctional facility can sometimes take, you know, take a month, two months to bounce back. Sometimes you might not hear from it at all because it's labeled as contraband or it's even, or it's even just gets lost in the system. It just gets lost in the bureaucracy, what have you. But in terms of when you're able to respond when things happen, prisoners are waiting to hear from people. And so any and so 
the capacity for folks to on the outside to provide them with any coverage as much as possible uh, through mass organizing and mobilization is part of is is part of like a long-term systemic process in helping folks and abolish the conditions that are being forced upon them yeah and and for the reasons that Adam pointed out you know we've our local chapter has been organizing since the since just ahead of the 2016 strike and so that's that's about two years and in terms of building relationships and solid trust between the inside and the outside that's still a very very young organization and that's a process that like you said takes tons and tons of time so that's that's one thing that I've learned personally over the last couple years it's just how how time is different when you're working with folks on the inside how how time is just longer. One thing I wanted to say to your question too, in terms of in terms of lessons learned and the importance of internalizing these strategies, is that you know something you said recently about prisons being places of darkness and sort of information silos and you know places that are designed very intentionally to be unseen. Mm-hmm. And you know the the media work that you all do and that that we're also trying to involve ourselves in is is i think a really crucial way of pushing against those those you know blinders getting getting information out that wouldn't otherwise and and spreading it as wide as possible and being a conduit or or just sort of existing as an infrastructure to amplify you know the voices and the thinking and the organizing that's happening inside so you all just mentioned this is a self-organizing force, right? The 2016 prison strike came out of a call from the Free Alabama Movement. Mm-hmm. And this year, the, the call for the strike came out of the Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, right? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about, about that, the beginnings of the, of the call, and the importance of working with different tendencies, working in coalition? Uh, again, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak is it's a black-letter organization for folks on the inside. Mm-hmm. To what extent does IWOC Oakland or IWOC in general interface uh, with JLS and the importance of coalition building? The organizing around this particular strike, which kind of happened similarly to the strike in 2016, uh, where IWOC, IWOC existed at the time, but sort of coalesced to respond to the call by the Free Alabama movement and to uh, it was sort of the IWW's way of organizing toward that call to aid and support. And... That's happened again. This strike, like you said, was called by Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, who yeah. er, who early this year made a strategic decision not to call for a national strike this year until the horrifying events in South Carolina, where I think nine people were killed and dozens of people were injured, and you know folks were left um, on lockdown in a yard without medical attention for several hours and. Um, and in the wake of that, jailhouse lawyers speak sort of um, reversed their decision, and it was seemed to them an obvious move. So that that event created the impetus, I think, for for their call to to this strike and for the formation of the ten demands. Yeah, yeah, I think seven comrades were killed in in South Carolina. But before we go on, let me read the 10 demands published by Jailhouse Lawyers Speak on April 24th. 
Um, these demands, as you, as you say, Peter, which came out in the wake of the massacre at Lee Correctional Facility uh, in South Carolina. Okay, so so here are the demands uh, published by Jails or Speak for the 2018 prison strike. One, immediate improvements to the conditions of prisons and prison policies that recognize the humanity of imprisoned men and women. Two, an immediate end to prison slavery. All persons imprisoned in any place of detention under United States jurisdiction must be paid the prevailing wage in their state or territory for their labor. Three, the Prison Litigation Reform Act must be rescinded, allowing imprisoned humans a proper channel to address grievances and violations of their rights. Four, the Truth in Sentencing Act and the Sentencing Reform Act must be rescinded so that imprisoned humans have a possibility of rehabilitation and parole. No human shall be sentenced to death by incarceration or serve any sentence without the possibility of parole. 5. An immediate end to racial overcharging, oversentencing, and parole denials of black and brown humans. Black humans shall no longer be denied parole because the victim of the crime was white, which is a particular problem in southern states. Number 6. An immediate end to racist gang enhancement laws targeting black and brown humans. 7. No imprisoned human should be denied access to rehabilitation programs at their place of detention because of their label as a violent offender. 8. State prisons must be funded specifically to offer more rehabilitation services. 9. Pell grants must be reinstated in all U.S. states and territories. 10. The boarding rights of all confined citizens serving prison sentences, pretrial detainees, and so-called ex-felons must be accounted. Representation is demanded. All voices count. So these are the 10 demands made by, by Jihaz Lower Speak, uh, again, an organization that, of imprisoned workers that are leading the push for the nationwide August 21, uh, 2018 prison strike. In relation to our previous question about sort of coalition building and its possibilities for the moment that we are in, uh, we should mention that Jihaz Lower Speak made a call just a few months after the call for the strike, is standing in solidarity with migrants resisting ICE detention. Just a few weeks after that, uh, we also saw the broad calls for the abolition of ICE by also a fairly wide political sector, including both liberals and, and progressives alike. So it seems that even just the name of abolition evokes a sense of, uh, it allows us to, to tie together different struggles, perhaps. You know, that is, tie together the struggle against immigrant detention centers, in jails and prisons, but also the ways in which the carceral uh, state extends beyond uh, those prison walls into our everyday lives. So what possibilities do you all see here in Oakland and, and beyond to organize in tandem with folks on the inside, uh, you know, in the wake of what appears to be another sort of prison strike alongside uh, immigrants uh, outside and inside detention centers? Yeah, I, I think that the attention that ICE detention centers are getting is, uh, is an opportunity to connect these struggles and... And I think in, in general that, that connecting the movement to abolish prisons with you know, all forms of struggle against the state and against incarceration in general is, is a crucial part of this kind of organizing. I also think that, or I guess my hope is that the attention that conditions within ICE detention centers are getting in mainstream consciousness is an opportunity for 
for people on a much greater scale to engage themselves with the realities of incarceration. People being tortured and neglected in ICE detention centers isn't exactly a surprise to people who've been working with prisoners for any amount of time. Medical neglect, physical and psychological torture are routine in detention centers just as they have been and are in prison for, you know, for as long as they've existed. I think that the the idea of family separation is another uh, is another among many connections between uh, between what's happening in ICE detention centers that is getting so much attention and what routinely happens when people are sent to prison. And then, so I think, like rhetorically or or what have you, that's that's another thing to pay attention to. Like this, the idea pushing against the idea that. Uh, what's happening in ICE detention centers is exceptional, or that Trump is exceptional. I think is is important in this time. That no, this is what this is what prison does. This is what incarceration does. It separates families. It subjects people to physical and emotional torture and and social death. And that that's happening in ICE detention centers is not a new reality. It has and will continue to happen in prisons to, you know, two and a half plus million people. Yeah, I, I think also just just go you know just to go beyond the re- simply rhetorical strategies, we can tie the migrant struggle and prison abolition struggles together, which of course people have been organizing around with, uh, you know, ar- sorry, organizing around for a long time. I think a really tangible way in which folks can connect the two, for the August two thousand eighteen prison strike and beyond, is perhaps by doing noise demonstrations at jails that also act as detention centers for migrants, right? So, you know, in some states, jails are both used as detention centers for, for immigrants, right? And and for others, other people. So people perhaps can organize actions such as noise demonstrations or whatever outside those those sites. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously detention centers are prisons too, no matter what distinctions uh, the state might make between people and the, the, the documentation they might have. But I think that's, you know, that's one potential um, way in which people can connect these these struggles materially. So what are some things for people on the outside, people who have friends or family on the inside, concrete things that people can begin to gear up in order to engage and support the strikers and minimize or address the inevitable retaliation? I think two things. There's a there's an inward facing, if you will, and an outward facing component to this. Inward facing We've talked a little bit about the phone blasts that will happen like on a rolling and, and sometimes emergency basis. And uh, when when information comes out from strikers about the repression that they're facing. So to, to A, to immediately mobilize uh, as many people as possible to put pressure on those institutions to shut down their phone lines, to read these demands or others that come out of the strike and and basically what happens when that kind of pressure comes from folks on the outside is that the actions that prisoners are taking inside and the demands that they're making now have a material force now have now have a force of people acting on their behalf to pressure the institutions in ways that that add to the pressure that they're putting on institutions by hunger striking or engaging in work stoppages or sit-ins, boycotting commissary and what have you. The other is the sort of outward-facing component, which is 
to voice loudly on social media and face-to-face and in whatever capacity folks are able to, both the 10 demands that JLS has released, information about everything that is happening inside, any information that that gets out about actions and conditions should be spread widely, you know, obviously where it's not incriminating. And so to break down the, the shroud that exists over these places so that, so that prisoners' actions are seen, so that the repression that they face is seen, and so that the things that they say and the demands that they make are seen. You mentioned folks who have loved ones inside. That is a crucial way of the information gets out. That's kind of the way the information gets out when things are happening in real time and, you know, snail mail just doesn't cut it sometimes. Yeah, I would say the biggest and the most principal component of this, a lot of the outreach that can be done is to center incarcerated voices who are already experiencing a lot of the repression and doing a lot of the work and really emphasizing that whenever you are communicating with people kind of about what is happening in terms of actions and in terms of how how the strike is manifesting. There's plenty of opportunity right now to reach out to communities and orgs that you're a part of and even just to kind of discuss even to then discuss discuss involvement and ways to ways to help out with with the strike itself. And there's opportunity to in a in a more direct way in, inwardly to build build a network of folks who are ready to respond when prisons are seeking to repress people inside. And they know that they can do so on a whim. And the only way to, to stifle it is to not let them know that people are watching them outside. Okay, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to talk with us today and for all the organizing that you'll do. Thank you so much for having us. This has been yeah. a real pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to meet you all very much. Definitely love Rust about Abolition Radio and always looking to talk more about it with my friends. So. Johnson. I'm speaking in the interest of the upcoming prisoner strike set to begin August 21st, set to carry on until September the 9th, by prisoners across the nation who are challenging and coming out in opposition to conditions of social injustice, abuse, extensive solitary confinements, deprivation of basic rights and necessities, and the general injustices and inhumanities of what today is the largest prison system in the world, the United States. We call on the general public to give as much support for this struggle and all of those who possibly can to engage and join in this struggle because slavery has not been abolished. And this is only a continuation of the struggle to abolish slavery in America. And we need all possible support and all possible involvement. All power to the people. Well, I was just recently returned back to Virginia from Florida, and that was in response to some of the challenges we were making down there to the uh, conditions and generally slave labor, the exploitation of the prisoners down there through price gouging in the commissary and the uh, packaging services, and they were trying to reinstate the uh, good time and parole that were taken in exchange for over sentencing credits or time credits, 
and that was something that was initiated under the operation pushed in January of this year where there was a work strike and a conversation and based on some of the organizing that was going on and the conditions we were challenging there with respect to some of the abuses that the institutions I was at, which was Santa Rosa, where guards were systemically involved in manipulating business and violent acts with each other. And some of the abuses that were coming out of the institution and I was publicizing through articles. Uh, they apparently contacted Virginia, told Virginia to come get me. They gave them an ultimatum. I think they contacted them on the 10th of June and told them to have me out of there by the 15th. So they ended up flying me back to Virginia on the 12th, and I was returned to Red Onion. Uh, following which, they transferred me from Red Onion to Sussex One, and have confined me now to a permanent solitary confinement that is without any real valid justification. It's pretty much in response to a lot of the exposure that I've been involved in with relation to prison abuses and inhumane conditions in the institution. That's pretty much my situation right now. I'd really like to see as much support as possible being given to the, you know, the series of struggles that are taking place, you know, across the country, challenging the slave labor and the prison and abuses in the institutions. Those things. That's really what I'd like to see. Much of the focus on is the what I would call the slave movement challenging both prison abuses and the ongoing conditions of slave labor in America. However much attention we can bring outside exposure to these prevailing conditions, I think that would build strong support and alliances which would not only bolster prison's activism on the inside, but would also bring to the public consciousness that there are some extremely oppressive conditions existing within the conditions of confinement in America that the 2018 prison strike will likely come at a great cost for both our comrades inside as well as those that hold them captive. We know that retaliation by the state will be swift, and so we encourage you all to help support prison rebels by visiting prisonstrike.com, by spreading the fire of rebellion wherever you may be. As our comrades from the Fire Inside Collective write on their latest zine about the 2018 prison strike, quote, 19 days of facility or statewide work refusal, sit-downs, or lockdown will cost the system dearly, in terms of both money and legitimacy. Replacing 19 days of prisoner labor can cost millions, not to mention the cost of breaking occupations and repairing damaged facilities. This action can bankrupt not only prison systems, but entire state budgets. Exposing retaliation and drawing attention to horrendous conditions and routines also corrodes the prison's public legitimacy. By the end of this protest period, any impacted government is likely to grant substantive concessions to prisoner demands and to open their minds to harm-reducing reforms, alternatives, and policy changes. This is how direct action on the inside rapidly advances every aspect of the multi-pronged struggle against mass incarceration or for abolition everywhere." End quote. August 21st is going to be lit. Thanks for tuning in. You can listen to past episodes or read their transcripts on our website at www.rustbeltradio.org. This show was co-produced by the Rust Belt Abolition Radio Crew, A. Maria, Cape Syed, and Alejo Stark. Original music by Bad Infinity.